you know, going from being a dancer to now working in the boardroom with CEOs, the senior leadership team of these incredible businesses from financial services, legal, consultative, and, you know, helping them uh, solve their problems. I thought one day someone's going to catch me out. Someone's going to say, you don't know what you're doing. When it comes to your career, there really is no one formula for success. And if someone had asked me 20 years ago what career I would be working in today, I doubt I would have said employer branding, a career that didn't even exist at the time. Some of the best stories I've ever heard didn't follow a plan. They simply embraced the journey. And that's why I've created this podcast, to share the many career stories that have shaped the people behind them and to encourage future generations to trust more in the process instead of stressing over getting it right the first time. I'm Steve, and welcome to the My Career Story Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the My Career Story Podcast with me, your host, Steve Keith. Now, those of you that are regular listeners will know that we are on to the third season with over 50 guests so far. And before I get around to introducing this week's fantastic guest, I just wanted to say thank you. We're about to get our 5,000th listen of the pod, which is amazing. Thank you so much for your support, and please do leave a review if you're enjoying what you're listening to. Today's guest is John Salthouse, a behavioural economist and content director at brand experience agency Owl Live. Um, Gron jetted through his career from ballet bar to boardroom. Starting as a professional dancer working on cruise ships, he now helps brands communicate the complex in a way that inspires action. As you would expect, John has experienced a significant learning curve throughout his career with great highs and great lows. John shares his story of how he adapted himself to the challenges presented by the professional world, battled imposter syndrome and now thrives as an expert in communications. Hello John, how are you? I'm very well Steve. I'm trying to think, it's been probably a couple of years since we are, uh, probably even longer than that since we last worked together. Um, but yeah, we've definitely been catching up between that time and uh, yeah, super excited to yeah. be on your podcast. Well yeah, so am I, so let's just get going with it. And so John, what's your career story? Oh, Steve, I've got an interesting one for you. So um, let me start right at the beginning. Let's go back to school, shall we? Um, So uh, school was an interesting time. Um, You know, I went through my GCSEs and, you know, I did all right. A couple of A's, a couple of B's, a couple of C's, D's. um, And we did all right. I then kind of followed the normal school system um, and went in to do AS levels. Now, the school that I went to, um, we were partnered with a business school. We were also partnered with a language school, which meant that I had to do seven AS level subjects. Seven? Seven. Seven. Um, I can't remember for the life of me what those actually uh, were now, but I know that I didn't do very well. So when I got to my AS level, end of my AS levels, instead of then going into my A2 levels, um, I had to have a bit of a chat with my parents and say, look, this, this isn't for me. Like, I, I don't really want to do this. And I, I think I thought I wanted to do like psychology or uh, like PE, some, some kind of physiotherapy, something like that. But 
you know, my parents were really good and they said, look, what, what is it that you want to do with your career? What do you enjoy doing? What makes you happy? And I said, well, actually being, um, you know, some form of physical stuff like PE, drama, dance, quite vocational stuff like that. And they said, well, you know, go for it. Um, so yeah, I, um, I left my AS levels and um, I joined Birmingham Theatre School. Um, and, you know, theatre has always been something that, that I started probably from, I don't know, 10 years old on like Saturdays, um, throughout kind of GCSEs. I, I did drama as um, one of my GCSEs. I really enjoyed it. Um, and a, a little uh, insight for you, I was Danny in Greece at our school play. Fabulous. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, I went to Birmingham Theatre School and absolutely loved it. Um, I really thrived. It kind of sat exactly how, where I wanted to, to be, what I wanted to do. Um, and it was through theatre school that um, I recognised that I had this ability of, of dancing. I'd never really done dancing before. Um, did a bit of martial arts, which I know it sounds strange comparing the two, but, you know, remembering patterns and syllabus and stuff like that, a little bit similar. So, um, yeah, I started uh, dance lessons um, at Birmingham Theatre School and, um, yeah, started training once again weekends on evenings. Um, and, yeah, I realised that actually becoming a dancer was where, you know, I wanted my, my career path uh, to, to go, really. So, um, after theatre school, so two years at theatre school, um, I then auditioned at the end of my second year. And I was fortunate enough to get a full scholarship at a professional musical theatre school. Um, and uh, I actually remember doing the audition and, you know, it's, it's terrifying. You know, you're probably <clears throat> 18, 19 years old. And, you know, you're going to the, into this room with, um, you know, all of the, the, the teachers and they're asking you to perform dance. You've got to learn stuff quickly. Um, you've got to stand out, but you, you know, you want to try and also be you know, a cast member as well. And um, I had this little, uh, this little tip up my sleeve and I thought, I'm going to go for it. So I went into the singing audition and um, the pianist was in one corner of the room. Uh, the panel was in front of me and there was a video camera pointing uh, at me as well. And they said, have you got your sheet music, John? And I said, yeah, I do. I do have my sheet music here. Um, I said, but actually, if you don't mind, can I play the piano um, and do my singing audition for you? And uh, they said, yeah, yeah, of course you can. So I turfed the singing, uh, the p pianist uh, into the center of the room. I sat behind the piano. I played my, uh, my singing audition uh, whilst obviously uh, singing it for them. So for me, I think that was probably one of the, one of the kind of key moments or stand-up moments that helped me um, secure that, uh, that scholarship. Um, so yeah, I, I trained at um, this professional musical theatre school for about three years. Um, and what was really interesting is, I think, going from school where I didn't fit in because I was more on the theatre side, yeah. then specialising now in kind of professional musical theatre where everybody is obsessed with, you know, I want to end up in the West End or I want to work on cruise ships or I want to be in commercial, stuff like that. 
Um, my passions actually then started to fall back into business management, which is really, really strange. Um, and on evenings and weekends, you know, I would just read and get obsessed with like project management books and business management books, uh, whilst also like on an evening learning like a tap dance routine as well, like reading <laughs> business management whilst doing this thing. Um, really bizarre. Um, Anyway, so I, I graduated, I actually graduated early from, um, from the college um, because I got my first contract um, on a cruise ship. Now, um, I don't know, Steve, if you've ever been on, on a cruise ship before, but I tell you what, it was one of the best um, experiences of my life. You know, traveling for six months um, on a cruise ship around uh, the Bahamas, the Caribbean, um, Bermuda, Canada, um, and my role was family entertainment's host. So it was this lovely kind of, um, on evenings, you would kind of host uh, family parties, quiz shows. Um, you were on stage probably most days um, working alongside Nickelodeon team. Like it, it was fantastic. And it was, almost, it was almost like a bit of a gap year, if I'm honest. Um, yeah. But the difference was I was getting paid for it. Um, it was brilliant. <clears throat> I've never, I've never been on one myself. My parents have been uh, big cruise fans. Closest I've come to, to cruises is watching Cruising with Joe McDonald. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I would say that's a, probably a good indication, is it? I'm told it is. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's brilliant. And, you know, there are many, many stories that I, I probably can't share with you on, on this uh, podcast. <laughs> um, but, yeah, one of the best times I've ever had. And actually, um, some of my closest friends still today I met on that cruise ship. Yeah. which is brilliant so yeah that was my, my first cruise ship Norwegian cruise line <clears throat> I then moved into uh, my next cruise ship and I, I said to my neck uh, that my next ship I wanted to focus as a professional dancer you know this is what I right. trained for uh -huh. so we're going to go moving from hosting to uh, to a dancer so uh, we get into rehearsals and um, it's it's intense like it it's really intense you know you're working you're you're training you're dancing quite easily 10 to 16 hours a day you know you're in the studio you're work you're having to learn um four shows in the space of, i think it was 10 days or two weeks if i remember correctly mm -hmm. um just having to retain like everything all the different dance numbers you're doing like jazz numbers musical theater numbers a bit more commercial pop numbers um there's partner work and stuff anyway it was exhausting and um <clears throat> unfortunately during rehearsals literally uh, the dress rehearsal so this is two days before we're going um onto the ship to, to to go live i ended up um ripping my abdominal muscles um Ouch. yeah it uh, honestly it was terrible but you know what they say, the show goes on. So, um, <laughs> how, do you, I, how, do you rip, how did you rip them? Um, it was doing some partner work. Um, okay. My partner um, and I, we, we prepped on the wrong count. So she was kind of coming down from a jump as I was straining and lifting up. Mm -hmm. um, and I just felt the muscles uh, on my abs go. Um, yeah. But because the adrenaline is, you know, it's rushing through your body, you just carry on. You carry, you're aware that something's hurting, but you just carry on. And uh, anyway, you know, we did the final bow and I just fell to the floor. 
um, apparently my face went grey and um, once I let my body cool down I couldn't actually stand back up again because um, you know your core is well it, it helps you do everything from balance to um, you know to helping you sit up and stuff so that was um, that was a big moment in my um, in my career journey because my identity as a a dancer um, it, it kind of pulled you know it completely pulled up uh, pulled the carpet from under my feet you know it, it I just lost it completely so I remember going back home and I had I think six months of recovery before I was even able to step foot back in the gym again mm-hmm. and it was tough you know what you are known as you know your identity being this dancer somebody who's really fit healthy um and earning a career through this um yeah i wasn't able to do it and it was really difficult you know you have to battle with yourself what do i do do i continue to be a be a dancer do i try and kind of call back on um some of the other skills that i've learned you know as an actor do i go back into the presenting side of things and that's actually exactly um what i ended up doing i worked on um, a third uh, cruise ship um, as an entertainment manager. Right, this was yeah. the, the first opportunity that I had um, of actually managing an entertainment program. So it was kind of, uh, if you, like I said, if you've ever watched Jay McDonald on the, the, the cruise program, um, it's kind of similar to a cruise director, um, but the entertainment manager is um, just more responsible for the acts that are going on stage, making sure that they're, you know, that they're already in and hosting and segueing between the two. Um, and I loved it, I really enjoyed it. Um, I enjoyed that kind of, the more management role behind it, you know, orchestrating kind of a little bit more behind, um, mm-hmm. behind the scenes. Um, so yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed that. And I thought, well, actually, um, they, I think there's a bit of a, a career journey for, for me here. So, um, fast forward probably six months later, once my um, stomach had kind of properly healed and I was able to um, move around a little bit more, um, I moved into the events world. Um, so in kind of the experiential marketing world. And that, once again, that was another fantastic job. Um, so still using kind of the, the skill set from um, the entertainment world. You know, you're always on show in front of customers and consumers. Um, but part of my role was kind of setting up, um, you know, events, running a team of, you know, anywhere from normally about 10 to 20 people, but some gigs were up to about hundred, hundred staff. Um, and that was great. And that kind of really helped me go, yeah, you're a great kind of manager of, uh, yeah. of a production, if you will. Um, you know, this is clearly something that you, you should be working towards. So um, I then decided at that point, right, let's, let's use both of my skill sets here. I've got this kind of knowledge um, and experience and passion for the entertainment industry. I've got yeah. a, a natural skill set of kind of managing people in the live event sector. Mm-hmm. Let's put the two together. So I think it was 2015 maybe at this point, and I decided to set up my own experiential um, events and entertainment um, agency and um, it was brilliant I really really 
enjoyed it. You know, you're working for yourself. You're able to yeah. uh, work in the direction that you want to work in. Um, the, you know, I was doing what I wanted to do, which was working around dancers, performers, bringing them together, um, creating PR stunts. We did a few flash mobs um, for Samsung. We did um, some, some PR stunts for um, the woman in black. Uh, we worked with some really, really cool um, agencies and, and, and clients as well. Um, but I think the, the challenging point for me was that I kind of wanted to see my, my career grow as this creative director. I wanted mm -hmm. to be the person that would create the entire vision, um, sell it into a client, and then um, you know, bring the people in to, to go and deliver it. And what I realized what would happen is that the clients we were working with, so the, the next line was um, agencies, like brand experience agencies. Yeah. Um, they were the ones coming up with the big creative vision. And they were saying, John, can you find us the performers, dancers, presenters for it? So I then actually started to become a bit of a, an agent. And I thought, well, actually, that's not where my skill set lies. I don't want to be the person that just call somebody up and set, you know, and books them. I don't want to become a recruitment agent. Um, I want to kind of come up with the, the, the big ideas. Um, so, you know, I did a, f a few of them along the way. I think one of my proudest moments was working um, for uh, England Netball. Um, we did all of their kind of pre-show um, entertainment. Um, it was sponsored by mm -hmm. Zio, which is a, a soft drinks brand. Um, and we had, I think, a, a team of 22 breakdancers um, traveling up and down the country supporting um, England netball on uh, Sky Sports. Definitely one of the coolest things I've ever done. Were you Corey one Hart. of the breakdancers? Say again? Were you one of the breakdancers? No, I wasn't. <laughs> I, was, I was one of the, uh, I was the host. So I was a person ah. on the microphone, like getting everybody like excited whilst all the dancers were, um, you know, doing their, doing their thing. Um, but no, I don't, I don't think I've, I've ever been able to spin on my head, Steve. <laughs> so now I just didn't know what you might have up your sleeve. So far, you, you've got, you're telling a great story. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that then, um, that was kind of the, 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 uh, the business that, that I set up. And um, I think I, I realised that actually I was, the more I was growing the business, the more I was just becoming a, almost a recruiter for entertainment. Mm -hmm. So um, I took a big step and I decided to take a step back to actually eventually take, you know, two, three, four, five steps um, forward. And this really was um, quite a pivotal moment in, in my career journey. So um, I joined a, um, a business called the Smarty Train. Um, I think this is now probably 2016, maybe 2017. Um, and obviously, Steve, this is where you and I met. Um, yeah, I was just going to say that, that sounds about right on the timescale for EY for me. So, yeah, I remember. Yeah. So you were at EY. I was at the Smarty Train. And um, yeah, the Smarty Train is a training and events uh, business. We help clients um, attract uh, graduates. We do graduate. In, uh, we did in, uh, graduate inductions. Um, and it really gave me this huge insight into this world that I didn't even knew existed. Um, you know, whereas most people do go through the, the university um, uh, system, 
then you go into a graduate um, rotations around a business. Like, because I've gone down the entertainment route, that wasn't even a thing. I had no idea of this, this professional world. Um, so yeah, it, it was a real, um, it was definitely a big learning curve. Um, I had one, I had no idea this world existed. And two, I had no idea that um, internal events were a thing and that they required you know, specialist agencies to, to support them with it. Um, yeah. So yeah, huge, huge learning curve. And, um, you know, I really started to, to develop a bit of imposter syndrome. Um, I don't know, Steve, if, if you've ever had uh, or battled with imposter syndrome before. Daily. <laughs> yeah, I think I had some of it this morning. I was on a call with with a, with a client, and I was thinking, "God, I don't think she believes me." Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it was exactly. just because she was, she was. It was at the end. I was just like, "Are you happy with that?" She, no, yeah, yeah. So, have you got any feedback? She goes, "No." Like it was that was exactly what I've asked for, and I was kind of like, "Oh, she's just not said anything because I've actually." Do what I'm supposed to do. I'm yeah. used to people like interjecting and going, "No, I don't like that." Or what about this? I changed that. I know it was it was nice, but the whole way through, I was thinking, "Are these working? Yeah, <laughs> can she see me?" It was yeah. I know it's a it's a weird thing, and I've never experienced it before. But you know, going from being a dancer to now working in the boardroom with CEOs, the senior leadership team of these incredible businesses from financial services, legal, consultative, yeah. and you know, helping them uh, solve their problems. I thought one day someone's gonna catch me out. Someone's gonna say, you don't know what you're doing. Um, so yeah, it was really strange, but you know, what I had to kind of keep teaching myself is I'm helping senior leaders deliver messages um, to their business um, as a uh, an actor and a dancer you have to be confident on stage delivering a performance if you will to people so there was a really nice kind of synergy there was a lovely skill set um, that you could transpose from the, the entertainment world into the the live professional um, events world mm. and I kind of had to kind of keep uh, telling myself that um, you know, to keep to, to keep me going. Um, it's interesting you saying that, actually, John, because I well, I remember the period that we worked together on stuff. And if there's one thing that stood out to me when we were doing the work with Smarter Training Yourself is that it was like a real. I, I felt like it was just a really good working relationship. Maybe because I think from the the client side view, we had Jane heading things up, and Jane's like one of my kind of like top mentors and just somebody yeah. I've got a lot of respect for. And she was, she was doing a lot of internal conversations to facilitate that, allow, allowing the space rather to, for creativity to happen. Because in a company that's really risk averse, doing an event in the ways that we used to work together on, it's a very different way. And that's, that's the beauty of your story, I suppose, is you've got those two worlds and bringing them together. But it doesn't, it doesn't always work like that. Have you ever found that you've worked on something where you've really struggled or it's just fallen flat? Yeah, absolutely. Going back to your point about creativity, um, this, is a, this is something that I always debate with clients quite regularly. Mm. Um, I never use creativity for creativity's sake. I think, you know, certainly when you try and sell it into internal stakeholders, 
you tend to say, oh, it's going to be really creative. And they just think, well, what's the point of that? You know, why are we just, you know, how does the message get across? Like, we can't just be silly. And I think that the key thing is creative is a unique way to deliver a message in a way that people remember it. At the end of the day, you've got to, you know, the reason why people come to these live events and uh, deliver messages is to inspire action. There needs to be a purpose, a reason for that message. And, um, you know, the way that we would use creativity is to ensure that those messages were sticky, that they stayed with people. Um, and, you know, I, I, I use terminology using experiential learning techniques, metaphors, using scent and smell in the air and um, creating an environment that make that when someone goes, oh, do you remember our company vision? Straight, straight away, you remember that room, you remember the smell, you remember what was written on the wall. And it just brings all of those ideas and that message straight back to you. So yeah. absolutely, I think creativity is important to deliver clarity of message. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting you said there, like about people saying, oh, we're just being silly. I remember a lot of the conversations, not particularly with, with the work that we've done together, but like when you try to push people in a direction that either they don't want to go in or you try to start to think outside the box because they're so used to doing something in a certain way or they believe that that's how something should be delivered. Yeah. That when you present something different to them, they see it as silly, ridiculous, dangerous, um, something that is a risk. Um, Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, I, I can certainly put my hand up and say, certainly at the, the early stages of my career, some of the ideas that I was coming up with, they probably wouldn't have landed with um, the organisation as well. And I think that was part of kind of my own personal learning curve that, you know, I don't know the professional services or didn't know the professional services well back then as much as I do now. And I was thinking of these big, bold ideas, which in my head worked, of course they would work, but actually knowing the, the challenges, the red tape, the internal politics that, that you know, professional services um, business would provide, some of those ideas just, you know, just wouldn't necessarily land. Yeah, but you don't, you don't get to the other ideas. There's a filter system, isn't there, with exactly. creativity? That's like, you don't get to the right, idea for the right client in the right way and stuff without going a bit big first because sometimes there's some the thing that you look at and go they're never going to pick that will actually be the thing that they'll pick that somebody will take the risk on or will go do you know what like that is the thing that's going to make us stand out is going to stick like you're saying absolutely um, i think yeah. disney um has kind of this dream big mm -hmm. theory and you have to start out here because then you'll always start to yeah. to bring it back um, absolutely and exactly, and, and that's kind of part of our role really, um, doing what we do is thinking big and then bringing it down so it's the right thing for the client. And that's the key thing, it has to be the right thing for the client. Yeah. So at the end of the day, you're not gonna have a business, are you? And, and the younger version of you that was doing the reading around the business books and everything whilst you were tap dancing or whatever, as you said, you were trying to do it at the same time. Like, you're going, you, you build that appreciation of like actually, and I've had that on my own journey kind of as a business owner as well, is that I've had to remind myself that in order for me to get paid, I've got to deliver something. Yeah. Um, and that needs to be sometimes delivered in a way that I wouldn't necessarily do it, but it makes the client happy.
Exactly. Um, Indeed. And you know what, we, you know, we, um, I think one of my proudest moments at, at the Smarty Train, um, we were delivering a, um, a graduate induction for a retail bank. And one of the sessions was all about um, products and propositions within the banking sector. So that's your mortgages, your loans, your credit cards, your debit cards, all of the products mm. and propositions there. So I decided to create a Portobello style product and propositions market. And the moment that the graduates opened the door, they were greeted by the current uh, graduates who worked at this bank, shouting loans, loans, get your loans, mortgages, mortgages over here. And they walked through this experience and you know, we gave them a variety of different tasks, you know, customer profiles. If you were this person, this age, that point in your career, looking at having a family or growing a house, uh, growing a, a, your career, buying a house, um, you know, what, what product or proposition would be relevant for that customer? So they, you know, they had these tasks and they had to go through this market and having these great conversations with, you know, current uh, graduates. So uh, I think that, you know, a lovely example of where creativity um, started, you know, quite big, but actually the message and the, the learning outcomes fit beautifully into mm. um, into that experience. And interestingly, <clears throat> the company that I work for now, um, I bumped into uh, somebody who used to work, um, or oh, sorry, still works at, at that bank, and he's gone through the graduate scheme, and he, he's now one of my clients. And he said to me, John, look, for this new project, um, I want it to be like my graduate induction. And I said, when did you graduate uh, from your, your graduate induction? And he said it was like 20, 2017 or something. And I was like, did you have the Portobello products and proposition market? He was like, yes. And I was like, I did that. And he was like, John, it stuck with me. And it's still, it's stuck with me now. And you know, another proud moment, you know, is knowing that those messages were delivered in such a way that it, it stuck with that person. Um, and that, that, I think that's yeah. the purpose of it, really. Yeah. So where did you move on to from the Smarty Train? Because that's where our past diverged after that. Isn't it it? Is. I left EY and then set things up and then and we we to catch up a year ago. But so where, where's the story taking you? to? Yeah. So um, Smarty Train, great. Um, opportunity to learn the market, um, learn the business, learn this kind of new industry. Um, I wanted to then specialize in more of a, a content role, really focusing on delivering messages. Um, so I, I joined a company called Our Live, brand experience agency, um, as their content director. Um, and it was a bigger agency, more opportunity um, to specialize in this kind of content role. Um, but also it really resonated with me that as the head of my own department, I was really able to kind of touch upon my entrepreneurial um, side of me. I could grow the department how I saw was right. Yeah. Um, so working with kind of, um, financial services, we work with automotive, um, professional services, technology brands, um, even nuclear. Um, so all of these diverse different industries that I'm having to almost become an expert of and yeah. find a way to distill that message in a simple way so that yeah. people understand it. Yeah. Um, so I've been with, um, with our live now for just over three years. Um, and you know what? I absolutely love it. 
um, fantastic business to work for and I, I love the, the type of work that we're doing. You know, I can really see that we're making a difference um, you know, with, with, uh, the, with the work that we're doing for some of our clients. What, um, what would you say if you look back across your career like some of the, the skills that you pick up along the way that have helped you connect the dots? Is there something that makes your career story unique in terms of the skills you've picked up? Yeah, I think, I think probably the, the first thing to say is self-awareness is definitely um, one of the skills that I've got. I'm able yeah. to look at, look at my strengths, look at my weaknesses, and I'm able to then work out where will those skills and strengths um, be valuable? What industry, what work, how, how can I use those? Um, you know, prime example, going from the entertainment world where you know, you're, you're working in a, um, a studio, dancing 14, 15, 16 hours a day, that's building resilience. That's building self-discipline. Yeah. Um, you know, to then going on stage where if you haven't got half your costume on or you've got your feet, shoe on the wrong foot, you still have to go on stage, you have to perform, you have to be confident. And I know that certainly in, in you know, some of the meetings that I've been in and you know, the, the situations that I've been in with clients, although I haven't gone into a meeting with my shoe on the wrong foot and not half my shirt not on and costume not on, um, you know, it's still the, the, the message behind it is you've got to go on, you've got to be confident with it. And I think that's, um, you know, that, that's part of it, really. It's being able to take the skill set that you've currently got, that you've used and you're applying in what you're doing right now, and being able to um, adapt and apply it to where you want to go. Um, I think that's, that's definitely uh, a key thing that's helped me in my career. Mm -hmm. And what would you what would you say would be a best piece of advice that you could give somebody about um, careers or kind of finding the best career for themselves? It sounds like it's been quite a natural process for you. So some people might be listening. I would expect and be like, "Well, that's not the way it's working for me. I don't know how to kind of like naturally fall." And it might not be the case with that, but I'm listening to you and thinking it's been similar kind of experience to me where I've kind of just maybe let go and just gone I want to try that and I'm self-aware so I know I can move in that direction and I'm happy to pivot a bit along the way and mm. um, I think at the moment one of the things that I'm finding from conversations with guests for this new season but also as well just with my own personal conversations as well is that there's a lot of people who are not used to being thrown in at the deep end and are having to confront that yeah, um, what sure. advice would you give people? Yeah, I think, um, you know, the, the process and the system of going through GCSEs, college, university, um, yes, it is the norm, but it's not right for everybody. And mm. it will only get you so far. Um, I think I've certainly had quite an entrepreneurial outlook on my career. Um, you know, I, I, I've gone from being a dancer to being a content director with entertainment and a variety of different um, paths along the way. Um, I think going back to my original point, it's about you know, self-reflecting, what are my core strengths that I have? How can I apply those? What industries would 
um, would benefit from those right now. Um, a really interesting story um, as I reflect back on it. Um, if I go back to my GCSEs, um, mm -hmm. I was in a French speaking exam. Okay. And my teacher, Mrs. Brennan, um, she said, you know, you're allowed to bring with you um, a like half of an A5, so A6 um, cue card for, for your notes, for your speaking exam. But it couldn't have any more than I think 10 words or 20 words on it, you know, really right. constrained. Um, I wasn't very good at French, Steve, I'll be honest. Um, so I needed to find a way for me to look good, present myself um, and, and do well in this French exam. And um, I drew phonetics, I drew symbols, I drew uh, icons, in infographics to help bring that story, the, the French exam, to life for me. And I remember going into the exam and you have to kind of show the camera and show Mrs. Brennan your, um, your speaker notes. And she was like, what, what on earth is that? It's like hieroglyphics. But, you know, looking back at it now, um, what I was able to do was um, take something that I found difficult and wasn't able to understand and was able to simplify it to something that I was able to understand and help me thrive. So once again, it's just kind of looking at all of those moments in your previous history, school, situations, scenarios, where you've found something difficult. How have you overcome that? Well, that's a skill, that's a strength. Mm -hmm. And that's what you want to um, build on. And hopefully that will help direct where your strengths lie and what career you can certainly go into. Yeah. I love that and you reminded me of my French exams now. I wasn't quite as clever as you in that respect. I wasn't too bad at French, but I definitely stung myself by spending years sitting next to the girl that could speak French really well in the class and kind of <laughs> siphoning learning off her and shot myself in the foot when it then came to exams because she wasn't there. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't quite the same. <laughs> Excellent. Great. Well, um, thank you so much for your time today, John. It's been really great catching up with you and hearing more about your story. I'm waiting for um, a dance um, to be to be given, but I'm not getting one. So <laughs> I'll wait until we're allowed to like have in-person conversations and then arrange a drink with you and expect uh, I'll take you to a theatre and put you up on the stage, maybe. Absolutely. I'm up for that. And I think if you invite me back for a season four podcast, I may be able to to do some form of a show for you. Right, well, you, you've kind of shot yourself in the foot there now because it's, it's on audio. So I'll be pulling that up for you. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Excellent. Thanks a lot for your time, John. Um, as I say, it was, it was really great. And if you're listening and you're enjoying the podcast, then make sure you subscribe. Um, please do leave a review. And we'll be back next week with another episode and another guest. So bye for now.